Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season seven, episode nine, and we're coming to you today from the great state of Ohio. Ohio. Is that the state song, Alan? O-H-I-O. There we go. I did not want to do that. Home of the Wright Brothers. Yes, true. And uh, this podcast, like the Wright Brothers, will help you get further off the ground. Oh, wow. wow. That is the smoothest transition you have had yet. Bravo. Wow, you win an award for that from the podcast association. From Alan's podcast, the, Al, yeah, that's the APA, right, which is yeah. very small, and I'm the only voter, <laughs> so I gave you the award. <laughs> I am honored, Alan. I'd like to thank all those who helped me get this award, <laughs> which would be Caitlin. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance, and I'm Alan. I develop Kingdom Workers at Eastern PA uh, with a fun team, and I'm Caitlin, equipping you producer. And uh, Isaac is uh, with us as well, the silent listener to every conversation. And uh, today, Alan, uh, we are going to chat with Kim Valenzuela. I'm so excited about this conversation. Me too. Uh, Kim works in our Metro District office and uh, lives with her husband in uh, New York City. Washington Heights. Yes, yes. In the Heights. And uh, she is the mover and shaker behind the peak profile, yes. which gives churches an opportunity to uh, evaluate themselves and uh, be in a mode of continuous improvement. So uh, what do you think of peak, Alan? I'm loving it. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, when we work together, we use different surveys and I've experimented with some other ones and always had this. Eh, it's not quite what I want it to be. And I don't feel that way with Peak. Yeah. You know, it's very biblical and it's also very in sync with our alliance DNA. And it's really good. We're really thankful for it. Yeah. It's an upgrade from what we've had before. Yep. And we're thankful for that. Thankful for the Metro District's uh, work on it. So, uh, with that in mind, grab yourself a watermelon juice. Wow. Just had. Two glasses of that in uh, Ecuador a few days before recording this. Grab yourself a watermelon juice, sit back, relax. Here we go. And it's our privilege today to welcome to Equipping You podcast, Kim Valenzuela. Kim, great to have you with us today. Hello, Terry. So glad to be here. And uh, we like to start by uh, allowing our listeners to get to know those that we're uh, interviewing. So, uh, Give us a snapshot of your journey, how you came to know Christ, just some of your spiritual journey uh, since that time. I'd love to, Terry, and great to be here with you as well, Alan. It was, for me, I grew up in just a really strong Christian family, Um, actually in South Mississippi uh, is where my family is from and where I grew up and grew up going to a real prominent uh, Southern church there. And it was through that formation and through my family uh, that I really started a a deep relationship with Christ in early age. Uh, But coming into my teenage years, had a real crisis of faith time. Uh, There was a lot 
going on just socially for me in, in middle school years in South Mississippi, uh, really high rates of, of drug, alcohol, sex within even um, middle schooler, seventh and eighth graders. Um, throughout my high school years, there was seven kids within our high school term that um, overdosed uh, from drugs during that time. And yet then also within my church formation, I started just having this crisis of uh, while uh, segregation wasn't legal, it was deeply social. And so even within the church we grew up in, really, really conflicted that what I was seeing in my in my church community and even within just social community wasn't reflecting what I was so deeply connecting to in the Bible and scripture of who Jesus was. And so at about 15 is when I had a crisis time with the Lord and just experienced the power of the Spirit come upon me and a moment of just uh, weeping and, and on the floor and of course, had no framework from that, from the church background that I was a part of, and had no understanding of what was happening, that this was kind of a crisis moment of the Spirit coming into my life. Mm. Um, and as a result of that, knew that God was calling me into vocational ministry. Mm. But yet I was so conflicted by the experience of the church that I was growing up on, growing up within. Uh, it sent me kind of on a journey of doing short-term mission trips for several years, and then ended up uh, ministering in India for, for a year within a children's home in just a very hard context, hard place. Um, it was in Northern India and just a very uh, rural community that had a lot of uh, extremists from Hindu side and from Muslim side, and then the con a lot of conflict in between. Uh, and then during that time, it just hit a lot of burnout and recognized that um, I was kind of hitting, hitting a ceiling of my spiritual formation. And so came back from that trip uh, just with some depression. And so I came back and felt like I was done with ministry. I felt like I had burned out, had kind of failed in this assignment that God had given me. And so I ended up going to Nyack College, uh, looking just kind of for some respite and some healing and some learning. Uh, and then during that time, met my husband, Andres, uh, and he and I started a photography business. So I was like, you know what, God, I feel like I want to live for you, but not necessarily work with you. Uh, and so really for me, stepping into photography business was kind of a stepping away from and saying, you know what, I think that this is um, where I want to go with my life in, in more of a business um, orientation. And so we ran our photography business for about five years, but God has this way of when we're, we have a place of wounding, I often say it's like a beach ball coming up out of the water. It pops up in other areas of our life. And so I was really experiencing a time when I was having nightmares, sleepless nights. The depression was coming back up again after having my first daughter. And so I just started reaching out a little bit. And I was at church at Risen King Church with Mike and Lisa Plunkett. And so they just started ministering to me a lot, um, really calling me out and saying, God's not done with you. There's still a calling in your life and you're kind of running away from him. Uh, and then through that, they encouraged me to join the first year of Empower. So that was 10 years ago, Empower uh, was getting started. So I joined Empower and just had another just radical time of healing. And for the next four years was really in a healing journey um, through Empower, through through ministry of, of Ron and Wanda Walborn, um, Ingrid and Chuck Davis. And then through that, started working at Risen King Church. So in the area of spiritual formation and small groups for Risen King for two years serving there. And then transitioned into the Metro District in 2017. And my family ended up with a move to New York City uh, for my husband's work at Nyack College. And so we started uh, living here in New York City in Manhattan and just really growing with the Lord and seeing Him redeeming so much, so much of my calling, so much of my relationship with the church, so much of the own uh, wounding that I'd experienced in my life and just really saying, what are the soul care practices to heal from? 
um, where I have been and also the spiritual formation to carry it through for a sustaining calling. So that's kind of a snapshot of the journey. If, if that's, that's a great journey. I love that. I <laughs> did not know a lot of that. That's really encouraging. Thanks for sharing all that. One of the questions that has become a favorite of ours to ask uh, is who has influenced our guest? So who's influenced you as a leader or personally? Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the earliest influencers was uh, a woman named Susan Sampson, and she was a IMB missionary to uh, Malawi. And she was one of the first women that I heard speak within our church. I I think the only woman I heard speak um, on our church, within our church growing up. And she took me out for coffee and just said, I see God is doing something in you and there's a calling in your life. And from that moment, it gave me a vision of of really women in ministry and also just uh, someone investing in me and, and seeing something, calling it out. And then, of course, since then, it's been uh, Mike and Lisa Plunkett, Ron and Wanda, Ingrid Davis, uh, Kelvin Walker, who's a, the DS of the Metro District, but also a, a friend and mentor um, over years. And then also my friend and pastor, Rich Velotis. Wow. Those would make up a, a big slate of the crew. That's wow. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, that. as you mentioned, you work for the Metro District. And uh, talk to us about your role. What are you doing there? And uh, I'll go ahead and throw the next question in too, just to throw Alan a curveball. What do you enjoy most about your work? Ah, <laughs> oh, um, so I work in the Metro District as Director of Church Health. Uh, it's maybe the, I think we're going on the fourth, the fourth role that I've had within the Metro District office. Uh, but I can say, I think that I love this one uh, the most um, of them all. So as Director of Church Health, it's really working within that church advance team from the national office. Um, to support our churches, uh, to help resource them, and to help our churches really to transition well in pastoral transitions, to understand who they are as a church, how God is calling them forward, and and how we can support them in, in healthy development towards that. And what I love most, what I love most in this work is really see in the coaching times with our churches is seeing when their leadership teams have a moment where they discern the will of God together, mm-hmm. where they understand, oh, this is who God has called our church to be. This is the way in which he has gifted us as a church community and how we want to connect deeply with what God is doing around us. Those moments when there's an aha moment like that, where there's just a Holy Spirit pause and the church leadership team says, this is what we're doing here. Uh, Those are my favorite moments and what I love most in the work. I will concur with that. That is a special moment when something like that happens. And uh, it's just a privilege to be part of it. So no doubt. So let's talk about that peak profile. Uh, it started in the Metro District, and now it's starting to be used really all across the Alliance. And uh, we are really thankful for that gift from the Metro District. And now that is your baby to keep carrying forward. Uh, so tell us about that. Um, what is it? How to get started? Uh, let's start at that point. Okay. So peak... Um... Peak started my first day working within the district office. I mean, it was an idea behind Bruce Terpstra had brought together uh, a group of people within the Metro District to start really wrestling with how do we define what a healthy church is? We were really wrestling with how to move our churches forward in health. And we recognized that we can't um, solve a problem that we don't define. And so first, our first step of this is to really define what is a healthy church, how does scripture describe a healthy church? What are the elements of a healthy church, no matter its size, no matter its ethnic uh, makeup, no matter its stage of life or location or geographic or context of ministry? We really believed that there were things rooted within scripture that would ground us in what a healthy church is, no matter what. 
Uh, and so I came into the Metro District office for an accreditation interview in the morning, and they scheduled a job interview in the afternoon. Uh, so it's like you have to you pass accreditation first. We'll have lunch together, and then if you pass accreditation, we'll we'll move you into job interview. Uh, so that was my my stage of getting indoctrinated into uh, the district office, and then also peak. There was a big whiteboard of just lots of um, words that describe what a, a healthy church. And um, I was asked to just take a few pictures of this whiteboard and see if I can make some sense of it, see if we can start writing up some kind of groups of these words and start uh, identifying within scripture how they were rooted and theologically based. And so that's that's when Pete got started. At, at that time, we weren't sure where this was going to lead to. We definitely, um, I would say, had minimal vision to see that it would be what it is today. But we really knew that we just wanted to help our churches to identify what is a healthy, God-honoring church, and, and how can we as our churches evaluate where are our congregations in relationship to the elements that God has put within Scripture for our churches. That's fantastic. We have really enjoyed uh, using it in Eastern PA, and I'm thankful for that. It's been a nice—we had used other surveys in the past, and— you know, you try to make the best of those, but they just don't have that alliance connection. And now Peak has yeah. that. And it's really quality at the same time. One of the big uh, terms for us uh, in our district is the idea of culture. You know, it's it's what's normal in a church, whether it's good or bad. It's just what people accept. Uh, and in our minds, that becomes like the soil of the church that determines, you know, what kind of fruit can end up being produced. Yeah, so yeah. Peak, from our perspective, cultivates that soil. And I was wondering if you could kind of frame, like, how does Peak help shape culture in a church you know, in what Peak does? Absolutely. When we've been working with Peak, and a part of this was saying, as a district, we recognize we're not just looking for a programmatic change. Actually, we're, we're not looking for a programmatic change yes. within a church. We are looking for a church to understand transformative and sustainable change. And that happens, as you said, through, through culture. Uh, and so the... the Three culture shifts we've identified were necessary for us as a district to take towards our churches and also to invite our churches to step into. Uh, and those three culture shifts included, the first one is culture of improvement. And culture of improvement means that we're moving from just a, um, a healthy or unhealthy label of a church to recognizing that every church, no matter whether it's growing and multiplying and seeing gospel impact all around its community, there's still ways in which we can understand what is God doing? What do we want to see God do more of? How can we create a culture of evaluation and improvement according to how God is leading our church forward? And so that's the first one is really this culture of improvement that it's not about um, we you know only only step into evaluation when things are going wrong or when we're in transition, but we recognize that it's a part of our formation as a church is to always be understanding where is God calling us forward and how can we how can we lean into improvement no matter what stage of life we're in. Uh, and the second one is a culture of collaboration. So it's moving from this idea of expert analysis um, or, or expert consulting into a collaborative discovery. How do we as a leadership team really collaborate with, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with each other to understand how God is leading our church forward? And that's the role also that we take as coaches, that we're collaborating with your church because you know your church best. You know the context of ministry that you're serving in. How do we help you to discover and discover with you where God is leading your church and what, what the current context of your ministry is. Uh, and then also we're looking at how do we partner with other churches? That's part of the Alliance DNA is that we're a family of churches. And so how do we collaborate together? How do we connect together within our district 
um, for ministry. Uh, and then the third culture shift is culture of excellence. Uh, and culture of excellence was really rooted in this desire of 1 Corinthians 3. I often get people, um, I would say, hesitant around this culture of excellence because they say, well, do you mean we have to pull off an excellent uh, worship service or an excellent podcast or an excellent you know, virtual uh, service um, online? And, and we say, no. It has nothing to do with how much, how many funds are in your building or how many resources you have or how much access to technology or production that you have. The culture of excellence really is rooted in that 1 Corinthians 3 um, cry that Paul makes when he says, like, is your church um, made of the precious stones, the precious materials, or is it made of the wood, hay, straw, things that will burn at the end of time? And so really that culture of excellence is capturing, are we stewarding the, the role of the church and our care for the bride of Christ um, in such a way that is honoring God, that is excellent in all we do? I love all of that. That is good stuff. Amen. Agreed. Totally. So there are nine essential elements that the Peak Survey uh, evaluates, uh, Kim. So um, yeah, you did in a tutorial with me. Uh, about a year ago, would you please? Uh, That's right. Summarize uh, that for our listeners. The nine sure. elements. Yeah, uh, we we discovered these nine essential elements uh, right in the Book of Acts. So we we as we started in on this journey, we said, you know what? We're not going to create anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. The church has been around since Christ. Uh, determined its beginning. Um, and so we said, you know what, let's just look there and see uh, what is rooted in our scriptures in the book of Acts for that first formation of church. And so we looked at those and we see spiritual formation, I mean, spiritual leadership is the first essential element. And that's really just the formation of the group of leaders who are called to uh, be empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead the church. Uh, and then the next one is personal growth. That's the formation of discipleship of how we understand how we are growing in relationship with Christ and in relationship with others. And then the next one is missions focus. And that's the outward expansion of the gospel, how we're reaching people for Christ. And then the next one's loving community. And that's really found in the Acts 2 passage where they're just breaking bread together, sharing with one another. That's the fellowship of believers within the church community. And then we have worship gathering, which is the teaching and preaching of the word in whatever form for your church that comes. We have many house churches. Um, and so however that looks for a church, but that's the worship gathering uh, portion. And then we have um, vision alignment and vision alignment is, are we in alignment in our practices and, and purposes of ministry into the calling that God has for our church? And then the next one is alliance partnership. So alliance partnership is how are we in relationship with the distinctives of who we are as the alliance, the DNA as the alliance and in relationship with other churches and ministries within our alliance family. And then we have financial stewardship. Financial stewardship, of course, we know from Acts 5, the consequences of, and therefore the importance of, um, how we're stewarding the resources and the facilities that God has given to us. And then we have effective organization. An effective organization is how we're, how we're structuring the ministry of our church and administrating it, carrying it out um, for the glory of God. So that encapsulates our nine, and they're all just rooted there in that formation um, of the first church. And then, of course, th throughout scripture. That is good stuff. I appreciate that. It's biblically rooted and very alliance uh, language-y, so to speak. <laughs> That's not a word, obviously, but we like it that. Now. It is now. It is now. That's great. Uh, so, you know, walk us through the process, you know, the peak process from beginning to end. I know that's a big thing, but, you know, give yeah. us a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. So within peak, the first step of the process is that 
a church is usually invited to take peek by with its district office, or it may even initiate with its district office to say, hey, we want to step into this. We want to better understand where we're at as a church, how our congregation is experiencing the ministry of our church, um, and we want to go through the peak process. And so once they decide, once that agreement is kind of made, so churches do need to work in collaboration with their district office in order to go through peak, uh, they'll fill out an intake form. And that intake form is really just giving us the data of how they are understanding the ministry of their church at this time. So it's giving us attendance for the past three years, discipleship ministries, and even their self-evaluation of strengths and weaknesses. So this is filled out usually by a lead pastor or head elder within the church. Once that intake form is submitted, they'll start the survey process. And the survey process is open for about three weeks within their church. Uh, usually there's a period of time of announcing it, getting the congregation excited for it, helping to allay fears or concerns, which some congregants have about kind of a, a survey process, but helping them to understand this is, is our way of listening to you, our congregation, and understanding how we are uh, in alignment um, with the ministry of our church or where there may be areas of growth that are needed. And so as they go through the survey process for those three weeks, we're giving them updates on how they're doing. We are looking for at least 30% of their average adult attendance to respond to that survey. Um, and then once they hit that mark, uh, the survey closes and a peak report is generated. And that peak report is delivered to the church through a coaching session. Uh, where we invite the leadership team of the church. So usually that's pastor, elders, or governing board, and sometimes some key staff members are part of that. Uh, and then along with it is two peak coaches. And we always uh, recommend for there to be two peak coaches present uh, for just that learning environment, for you know them to be listening together, asking questions, facilitating the conversation, and that really discovery process is what we look in that peak report. We kind of take it back to those culture shifts that we were talking about earlier. And this is not a time for the peak coaches to give the church their interpretive findings of the report and to tell the church, oh, this is what I see and what the problems are within your church. Not at all. Uh, the process of the role of the coach is to help the church to discover, what does this say to us about the ministry? Why do we see uh, these indicators here within their report? What might be um, next steps for us as a community? And, and it's really helping the church to discover and facilitate that um, as, a, as a coach. That is really a great description and brief amazingly brief that you did it that quickly uh the peak profile <laughs> and I, one of the things i, like I gotta to give this a lot alan over yeah, it's, i know it, it comes still, over and over still, but it was so smooth <laughs> and helpful but I, one of the things i really love about it is the coaches you know i think one of the main things that the main tools that we have for cultivating soil the culture of a church yeah. is conversations you know and your typical consultant comes in and says well here's what we think you should do but you don't do that with Peak. It is the coach that comes in and asks great questions so that we can do what you said earlier, get to be part of what a God moment where they discover what God wants them to do. That's beautiful to me. An interesting uh, definition of consulting, I would say, but I agree with what you're saying about coaching and those. <laughs> you know, those, it might be uh, a little cynical on my part you there, might but. Be, you might be. <laughs> so uh, a previous type of survey that we use. To back up Alan's point, uh, which was natural church development, uh, peak is an upgrade from that. But a coach of mine who used it extensively in a couple of hundred churches had the stats to show that when it was uh, accompanied with coaching, the outcomes were much, much better yeah. than just a church uh, taking the survey and, and trying to implement it on their own without coaching. So coaching is absolutely a key element, even though I'm picking on Alan. Yes. Right and you know, it wouldn't be a podcast episode if you didn't pick on me or I didn't pick on you or Caitlin didn't pick on both of us. 
it, it, it's part of the episode. Part yeah. of how it works. And I might feel left out if you don't pick on me too. So oh, no. it can go, it can go all around the table. We're always nice to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, getting us back on track, which is always difficult. And I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to hear it from you, Kim. So all right. when are some good times for a church to use the peak profile? Oh, would you say the the answer is anytime? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all the time. anytime, all the time. That's right. God is good. Anytime, all the time. <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. Um, so, yes, but the really when we're looking at churches taking peak, we want them to take it at a point in time when they recognize their need to understand where our church is at. Where is our church and where is God leading our church? I would say the only time to not take a peek is when a church uh, is not willing to take it and the leadership of the church is resistant to the process. Um, because we have found that when we have tried to, you know, press it or push it against uh, the will of the church or when they're reticent to it, um, it usually does not produce the fruit that we're looking for. But for churches that are taking it, a church that's in pastoral transition is an excellent time when there's a pastor leaving and a church wants to better understand, okay, who are we looking for? Who are we as a church? And what do we believe we need in the new pastor coming in? Uh, churches that are evaluating if they should multiply, if they should plant a campus, or if they should plant a fresh expression, a new church, uh, is an amazing time to take peek to better understand what is the DNA that you are multiplying, right? What are what do we identify are maybe some weeds that have grown up that we don't want to multiply? And then also what are some good roots, some things that we really want to see replicated in the DNA of our church? Uh, and then another time to take peek, of course, is when a church is feeling a plateau, feeling a little bit stuck and saying, you know, we're not sure what's going on here, but we've been kind of stuck in a rut for the past 10 years and we want to better understand the context of our, our congregation and also see where we might be disconnected um, as a leadership team from the ministry uh, needs that are around us. That is beautiful stuff. And I think uh, I appreciate your agrarian uh, language there, just uh, <laughs> which is rather ironic since you guys are from the most, certainly the, the least rural district in the entire Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. You know, Jesus was all about that. You know, this Have gospel you seed. And, New Jersey? Yeah. yeah, well, I, I mean. Yeah. Garden state. It's called the garden state. I, I understand. But you know. we get the gamut. We do. I, I, do. I work with one church that's in farmlands, middle of nowhere, all it, and they actually meet in a uh, mechanic warehouse of tractor farm equipment wow, is where their church fantastic. building houses. And then of course I meet with uh, Alianza Oasis, which is a large Spanish church right here in my neighborhood. So no, we get it Both ends of the spectrum. I yep. was just saying, you know, that per geographic space, it has okay, to be okay, okay. <laughs> compared to other districts that we have. But anyhow, uh, so, you know, I'd love to, we'd like to wrap this up with just hearing a couple of stories where you've seen uh, what you've alluded to already in this conversation, where kind of God does something special uh, using peak to help a church take important steps forward. Yeah, there's just, there's so many amazing stories and, and a few of them, one of them that I'm thinking of is one of the early churches that we did peak with was a church that was saying, we want to, um, we want to multiply. We believe that we're positioned to, to plant a church or to have a campus. And we want to take peak to better understand what are the needs that we have as we do that? And what are we multiplying here? And so this church entered into peak and they recognized as they went through it, that their church had experienced a lot of rapid growth. 
um, grown by a few hundred over a pretty short amount of time. But yet there was a kind of a disconnect between how the people were experiencing their discipleship and in relationship with each other. And through that, uh, just through our conversation, through the comments that are there on the report and through the scores uh, that are reflected within the peak report, uh, we saw that the church, as it had grown so rapidly, it wasn't attuning itself to discipleship needs and connection needs of its people in this growing congregation. And so for them, they recognized that they really hadn't staffed for this. They hadn't multiplied leaders in order to better serve the needs of the people within their congregation. And so they saw that uh, they did, it affirmed their desire to plant or to multiply because they recognized we don't want to just continue to build a bigger church. We don't want to just expand our footprint and our ministry right here. We really want to send people out to have other gospel expressions in their local communities. And so, you know, that strategy was affirmed for them. But it also kind of revealed their organizational needs to say, we, while we grow, we have to attune ourselves to discipleship needs of our people, which so often uh, can be the challenge that a church is facing as it's experiencing growth, is how do we still cultivate this deep discipleship and connection among our people as we grow? That's one story. Another story is um, a church that I'm working with in farmlands country. Uh, this church was celebrated at our district conference, and this church is Crossroads Alliance in Shemung, New Jersey. And they actually joined the Alliance back in uh, 2018. Um, they joined the Alliance, decided that they wanted to become part of the Alliance family. And one of their first steps uh, since post-COVID or in the middle of it actually was to do peak. They said, you know what? We recognize that we've changed tremendously during COVID. A lot of our people um, you know, are kind of in this transitional liminal phase. And we want to understand where we're at as a church and how we can better reach the community that's around us as a really rural church. And so through the peak process, they identified that they, um, they wanted a greater missional focus within their community. And they serve in a community that has a lot of farm laborers uh, and immigrants who work in the community around them. And they recognized that they had not um, positioned some of their ministries in order to reach those people. And so they um, decided that they would start doing a VBS that actually was not for the you know, 15 to 20 children that are within their church family, but they would actually structure their VBS for the immigrant families that were around them in the farmlands. And so they put it late in the evening, they provided busing and they brought the, and they provided Spanish language um, services and brought these uh, kids in. And so it was just an amazing opportunity that through peak, they kind of recognized, oh, this is where our church is at. And this is where we want to move closer to people that are right here uh, within our community that we may not have been aware of before. Good, uh, Kim, love those stories. Sorry for the delay there. We had a visitor in the studio. <laughs> also known as the side room off the lobby. Yeah. yeah. For uh, pastors and lay leaders listening out there who are thinking right now, we ought to consider doing PEAK. How do they tap into the benefits of, of PEAK? What's their, uh, what should be their next step? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to our website, to peakprofile.org, uh, to just learn more information about it. And there is an option there for them to even... Um, send an inquiry about Peak, and they can connect with their district office through that. So all of our churches within the Alliance that go through the Peak process uh, do it in relationship with their district office. And so we've had 14 Alliance districts um, registered for Peak at this time. But if your church you find is not within a district uh, registered for Peak, you can be the front runner and Peak is actually provided free and with coaching from our national Peak team to your church in, in relationship with your district. Uh, so you can be the initiator uh, that brings it there if you would like, uh, but we're just, that's 
how Peak is started for our churches is through um, their relationship with their district offices. I love it. Teamwork. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. Hey, you're doing a great job leading the charge on thank this. And, yeah, uh, for sure. We really appreciate it. You're not only impacting the Metro District, you're impacting the entire Christian Missionary Alliance across the U.S. And uh, we're just thankful for your leadership. Absolutely. And, uh, thankful for your investment in uh, Alliance Ministries uh, all across our nation. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, Thanks. Thank you. It's a pleasure to know you and to see God's work through you. And if you're out there listening, tap into Peak. We'll say a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Kim, thanks. Great to have you here today. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Alan. Great to be with you both. Alan, so good to talk to Kim. And she did such a great job uh, talking about uh, Peak and uh, really communicating it well. I just want to say that I believe there's great value in... uh, using surveys like this on a regular basis of church every 18 months, every two years, it prevents you from just shifting into neutral and thinking "Eh, everything's okay. We're going to be all right. And uh, put you in a mode of continuous improvement, which I think is vitally important. So uh, it it helped immensely in the last church uh, I pastored. The peak wasn't around yet. So we were using natural church development. Peak is an upgrade. Sure and is. so I want to encourage our churches to uh, tap into that. So um, next episode will be on the value of higher education. We'll have Alex Zell from Crown College uh, with us. Hope yep. you'll join us for that. Hope you're listening to every uh, podcast, Equipping You podcast episode. Alan, what should our listeners do? I haven't asked you that in a I long, know. long well, time. You know what they should do, Carrie, is first of all, they should share it with other people in their church because when you can have conversations about these podcast episodes with other people, you're more likely to put whatever you learn into practice. If you just keep it to yourself, you'll think, oh, I should do something about that. And then you'll end up putting it in the old circular file. Uh, but when you talk to somebody else, you're very likely to follow through. And this one in particular has some great stuff. So first, talk to them. Second, share it with another pastor around you can just text it to them or you can share it on social media and actually one of the things we appreciate too is if you want to you can rate us on whatever your uh, podcast form is because that also helps the that podcast platform uh, note that help other people find us as well and we would love to be as helpful to as many people as we can our audience is growing and we'd love to see it grow even more so uh, tapping back into that Wright Brothers introduction that we used a little up uh, earlier. Uh, rate us high and help us fly. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I didn't even try that. That's you awful. became a participant. Alan. I, I so Thank regret you. that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, with that poem ending the day, we'll say join us next time on Equipping You Podcast. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.